0: Sometimes life is difficult and you just need a hand to lift you up. The Bible is full of those helping hands, but how do you access them? How do you apply them? Join our weekly conversation and think about the Bible like you never have before. Listen, watch, and interact with us at ChristianQuestions.com. You're listening to Christian Questions. Here's Rick and Jonathan.
1: All right, here's a quote from an attorney. Discourage litigation. Persuade your neighbors to compromise whenever you can. As a peacemaker, the lawyer has superior opportunity of being a good man. There will still be business a month, enough. That attorney was Abraham Lincoln. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan.
2: This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone.
1: Folks, we thank you for joining us today. This is a contact-friendly format, and we welcome your thoughts via email, messaging us at christianquestions.com, Facebook, and our website chat board. So, Jonathan, what's our topic for today?
2: Well, Rick, our question is, should we be peacemakers? And our theme text is found in James chapter 3, verse 18. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace
1: by those who make peace. Okay, so should we be peacemakers? The world is not a peaceful place. It seems to have become especially hostile in the arena of thoughts and perspectives. For some reason, we can no longer tolerate a dissenting opinion. Rather than respectfully listening to disagreement, we instead resoundingly lash out with personal attacks, sarcasm, and a self-righteous indignation. Pretty sad, huh? Even we as Christians are guilty of this. Even in light of Jesus teaching us that peacemakers are blessed. So what does it mean to be a peacemaker? Is it different than being a peacekeeper? How far are we supposed to be reaching out to make peace? And does it ever involve compromising our Christian principles to do so? So again, the question, should we be peacemakers? And Jonathan, we were talking before the podcast started there's a lot of power in this subject.
2: There really is, and you wouldn't expect it, but uh, I'm reading over this subject, and I'm, uh, Rick, uh, I've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> That's all I can say.
1: <laughs> all right, and we're going to get into what all of this is, and it really comes down to peacekeeping versus peace. Making. So let's start out by just giving a quick definition. We're going to look at Merriam Webster's online dictionary. Jonathan, peacekeeping. How does Merriam Webster's dictionary define that? The preserving of peace, especially international enforcement
2: and supervision of a truce between hostile states or
1: communities. Okay, peacekeeping, keeping things even. Peacemaker. What is a peacemaker? One who makes peace, especially by reconciling parties at variance. So there is a fundamental difference between the two. Let's go to a soundbite right off the bat to just put that difference in place. Uh, This is a YouTube video, The Difference Between Peacekeepers and Peacemakers, from hpumc.org. And this really helps to describe uh, what we're going to be spending a lot of time looking at and considering as we kind of look in the mirror as the, in this peacekeeping, peacemaking conversation.
3: We confuse peacemaking with peacekeeping. And I'm in the Hall of Fame of peacekeeping. Oh, I'm a charter member of the Hall of Fame. I can do some peacekeeping, brother. Woohoo! Right? Let's don't talk about that. Let's just deny it. Let's squash it. Let's put it in the corner. Let's just keep the peace, right? Right now, it's quiet. Nobody's yelling. Nobody's talking. Nobody's voices are raised. There's no awkwardness. Just keep the TV rolling. Keep the in-laws in here. Let's just keep the peace. See, peacekeeping requires no initiative. It requires no awkwardness. It requires no barriers. Peacemaking is different. Jesus says, be real clear. Same chapter. Blessed are the peacemakers,
1: so he says peacekeeping doesn't require initiative or awkwardness. And we're going to develop that because that's a huge thing to understand. Uh, am I naturally a peacemaker or am I naturally a peacekeeper? What's the difference? How do we figure that out? Well, And
2: Rick, uh, Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker for all time.
1: You know, and, and that's the important basis, the important foundation to start from. Because, you know, the, in, in that soundbite he mentioned, you know, Jesus saying, blessed are the peacemakers. We're going to get to that coming up in the next segment. That's uh, We're going to be talking about that specifically. But Romans 5.1 describes Jesus as the all-time Nobel Prize-winning peacemaker
2: therefore having been justified by faith we have
1: peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ how can anybody make a stronger peace than making peace with God for others there is no better bigger stronger more lasting more enduring more powerful peace than that so that you're right. Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker for all time. So that's a good example for us to look at, don't you think?
2: Oh, for sure, Rick.
1: Okay, what about uh, coming up next segment, or, or in the next few segments, Jonathan, what are we going to be looking at?
2: Well, Rick, the most important differences between peacemakers and peacekeepers we need to really look at seriously, because when I found out the difference, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I have got work to do, brother. And oh, yeah, I've seen myself fall here, here. Oh, my. I didn't realize it. But wow, this, this subject has opened my eyes.
1: So, coming up, we're going to really dig down deeply in, into those things. So, how do we become peacemakers? Let's focus on peacemaking. That is the subject, that is the important thing. How do we become peacemakers? Well, perhaps a good way to remember uh, a, peace, a peacekeeper is a pieces keeper.
2: A pieces keeper, what do you mean?
1: Well, remember in the first soundbite, the the, the gentleman said that, you know, peacekeeping doesn't require any initiative, it doesn't require any awkwardness. If something is broken and you gather up the pieces and you say, okay, I'm going to keep and protect these pieces, it's still broken. Well, I have the pieces, though, and I'm protecting the pieces. Yeah, but why don't you fix it? Well, it may not go back together just right, so I'm going to keep the pieces. I'm just going to keep them because it's safer that way. Yeah, but you're not fixing it. Yeah, but I've got the pieces. <laughs> Sometimes peacekeeping ends up being a pieces keeping, and we have to think about that as we go through this. So, first, uh, first point, Jonathan is for for looking at peacemaking is what?
2: Well, we want godly, righteous, and lasting peace, Rick. To want such peace around us, we need to first make peace within ourselves before trying to help others.
1: Okay, so the first thing is we need to want. Godly, righteous, lasting peace. We don't need to want it to just be quiet. We don't need to want it to just be even and not have look bad. We need to want godly, righteous, lasting peace. And to do that, you have to have some kind of peace within yourself. Uh, let's go to a soundbite. And Jonathan, we're going to tell a story through these next series of soundbites uh, from a gentleman by the name of Akila Sherrill's. And he is an amazing man, an amazing man. He is a campaigner against gang violence uh, and the death penalty. He lives in Watts, uh, Los Angeles, United States. Uh, He and he's done some incredible things. Let's let him begin to tell his story. And this was from The Wall Street Journal, how a family tragedy inspired a peacemaker. And the kid walked up and shot my son five times in the back.
4: Um. In 2004, Aquila Sheryls lost his son Terrell to a fatal shooting in South Central Los Angeles. Terrell could have become another number in what is perhaps one of America's most complex issues, gun violence, but his father refused to let that happen.
5: Terrell, you know, this was my mini me, we looked so much
4: alike, you know, um, we were super close. Aquila never retaliated, since even before Terrell was killed, his life's work has been training residents, ex-convicts, and former gang members to intervene to help keep crimes or confrontations from erupting on the streets. Now he does the same work in Newark. They're called the Newark Community Street Team.
1: So this guy has done this work actually since the 1990s out in Los Angeles, and he was actually contacted uh, by Newark, New Jersey, to fly out and try to replicate what he'd done. And, and we're going to go over that in, in, in future soundbites. But what a horrible story, Jonathan. His, his son is. Oh, his, I know. His poor son just murdered. Young man. Heartbreaking. There, there, there was no gang relations or anything like that. It was a random shooting. And, and, and he just keeps going with peacemaking. He has to be at peace within himself in order to be able to do that. Otherwise, oh, he'd break. You're right.
2: Absolutely.
1: Let's take a look at the Apostle Paul in terms of becoming a peacemaker. This is a great example of the Apostle Paul getting himself to a point of, of, of becoming, being at peace so he can be a peacemaker. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 to 21, we'll take it in pieces. Let's do verse 16 to start.
2: Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh... Yet now we know him in this way no longer.
1: All right, so it's a simple phrase. Don't know anyone according to flesh, but it's a powerful phrase. Knowing Christ according to the flesh is Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, Paul, was not a peacemaker, but he was a peacekeeper for the Jewish political hierarchy of his time. See, the Christianity movement was creating angst amongst the Jewish political leaders. There was a disruption, Rick? There was a massive disruption, (laughs) and they looked at it and said this Jesus guy who had been crucified, you know, created this movement, and it doesn't seem to go away, and Saul went after the Christians to say, I'm going to keep the peace. He was a peacekeeper because I'm going to eliminate these people who are causing such a disruption amongst our people.
2: Isn't that an oxymoron? Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes.
1: I'm going to keep peace by... Imprisoning and, and killing yes. Christians. Yes. What? Yes. He saw the elimination of Christianity as the way to keep peace and religious order of his time intact. That was the important thing, and that's what he went about doing. But now, after he becomes a Christian, he says, we should know no one any longer after the flesh. Now let's go to verse 17 from First Second uh, Corinthians 5.
2: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. See,
1: Saul became Paul, God with the Spirit. Okay, Now he literally had a new lease on life, a new mission to enlighten any and all to a higher way of thinking and a higher way of living. That's where he got to because he says you're a new creature. Things are different and we shouldn't look at people, other Christians, from a physical, earthly standpoint. We should see them from a spiritual standpoint. So he had to do that first in himself, before he could see others that way. Verse 18.
2: Now, all these things were from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation.
1: Now, Paul's personal reconciliation to God was the first step in his transformation to a true peacemaker. And Jonathan, this idea of reconciliation is pretty powerful, isn't it?
2: It really is, Rick. Um When I was reading this, it really showed me Jesus's mission of reconciling the world to God, not remembering their sin anymore, and then teaching us to do the same thing. To me, it disproves the hellfire doctrine because this is what Jesus told us to do. Forget the sins of the past and reconciled
1: to God. All right, now now let, let's accentuate that with verse 19. We just read verse 18. Let's go on to verse 19. Namely, that God was in Christ
2: reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them,
1: and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. See, so what you were saying before verse 19, and verse 19 like hammered it right home. Oh, it sure did, Rick. Because what what it's saying is they... We're not going to have their trespasses counted for them because Jesus died for them, and we, he's saying there's two different groups involved. Some do the work of reconciling, others are having the opportunity for reconciling.
2: Absolutely.
1: That's the peacemaking that we talked about of, of Jesus in Romans 5.1. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we can see, the world will have the opportunity for peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ coming soon. Awesome. So embracing worldwide purpose of God's plan of reconciliation, that's another part of having peace within ourselves, of the Apostle Paul getting to a point of being able to be a real, true peacemaker. It's our next step in peacemaking, is embracing what our mission is. Our mission, just read that last phrase of verse 19 again.
2: And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation.
1: That's our job. That's one of the things that we need to be focused on and talking about incessantly in our Christianity. Verses 20 and 21 of 2 Corinthians 5.
2: Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God
1: in him. So the apostle is telling us, I'm begging you, keep that reconciliation personally with God intact, because you are given the mission of reconciliation. And, and the, the thing at the end of that, that scripture says that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus. I mean, that's a powerful, powerful uh, responsibility.
2: It is, right. totally.
1: You're supposed to represent the righteousness of God. That's what a peacemaker—see, those are the tools of spiritual peacemaking. So, Jonathan, there's a couple of peacemakers' promises that we want to establish as we go through this to begin. What's the first one?
2: Having been reconciled to God through Christ, I will be an ambassador of that reconciliation to all, which means— being God's righteousness through
1: Christ in all things. Okay. Having been reconciled, I will be an ambassador of that reconciliation for all. We've been reconciled, and now we can be reconcilers. We can be peacemakers. That's where we need to begin to go with this. So, from the Apostle Paul's perspective in the 2 Corinthians Scripture, peacemaking carries major responsibilities.
2: It does, and we each need to know more. So I'm a Christian and want to be a peacemaker. What does it take? What do I need to work on?
0: We're excited to be hearing from our growing listening audience at ChristianQuestions.com through Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also chat with us now during the live broadcast. You know what would be really awesome? If you can leave us a review when you subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and others. It helps us reach even more people. Thank you for subscribing and reviewing. Now, let's take the next steps in our comprehensive conversation.
1: Having seen the example of the Apostle Paul's transformation to a true Christian peacemaker gives us a hint of what it takes for us to do the same. So now we need to get specific. As usual, Jesus gives us ample food for thought and learning in both his example and his words. And Jonathan, this segment is really going to focus on the example and words of Jesus, and I think in a really, really powerful way. Uh, But before we get to that, Um, you've heard the phrase, you know, look, let's just have some peace and quiet, right? Sure. Okay. So what's the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper when we think about peace and quiet?
2: Well, Rick, a peacemaker wants and works for peace. And Rick, a peacekeeper wants and works for quiet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and I I can remember when I was a kid, you know, there were four kids in our house, and it was definitely loud. You know, and I can remember my dad saying many times, "Look, we just want some peace and quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the interesting thing is when we break this down, a peacemaker wants and works for peace. A peacekeeper is just trying to keep it quiet. There is a major, major difference between those two things. Let's go back to uh, Akila Sherrill's. In the uh, YouTube video, How a Family Tragedy Inspired a Peacemaker in Newark, again, it's from the Wall Street Journal, to uh, get a little bit more of his story. Remember, his son was uh, just randomly shot. He spends his time and effort trying to get people on the street to be able to, be, uh, to, to, to tolerate one another, to be able to work with one another.
5: It's been a Total eye-opening experience for many of the young men and women who serve on as outreach workers on the street team because, you know, a lot of them have had, you know, uh, run-ins with the law. But most of the folks here have been shot. You know, something like three-fourths
4: have been the prison.
5: I've been in jail quite close to half my life.
4: I've been shot. I've been in prison. Last year, over 300 shootings were reported, according to the Newark Police Department. I believe most of the victims of homicides are either gang-related or drug-related or it's personal. And how do organizations like the Newark Community Street Team help? You know, we'll ask them, can they go in there and see what they can do to assist in keeping the peace in a certain location? They can be able to pull the parties together and calm the situation down.
1: See, the beauty of this, Jonathan, is they are using individuals who are volunteering their time. And these people have prison records. They've been on the wrong side of a lot of things. And they are really trying to do well with their lives now. And the way they're contributing is by going to others who have made the same mistakes they have made and to try to influence them. Not from a legal standpoint, but from a reason standpoint. And I, what, a,
2: what a wonderful service, Rick, that it's, is.
1: It's amazing. And these folks, I mean, that one guy is like, I spent half my life in prison, but this is what I'm doing now. And it's like, okay, he's found a cause and he's really working at making, helping people to make peace amongst themselves. So it's a great, great, inspiring example of one man's de- dedication to peace making. One aspect, one detail A detailed aspect of Jesus' peacemaking work uh, in this age now for his followers, and we'll get more on this later, comes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace,
2: who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall.
1: Now, both groups are talking about what here, you know, in terms of Christianity? It, the, the Jews and the Christians, the, the Jews and the Gentiles becoming Gentiles, Christians, yes, yes, right? Yes. So, so you've got those two sides of Christianity that were at odds. And we're going to get more into that in in a later segment. So that's coming up. How did Jesus do that? How did he take these two groups that were at odds and bring them together? How do we do that? Let's look at the Beatitudes as a character ladder to successful peacemaking. And, and Jonathan, in studying for this, and we were talking again before the uh, the podcast uh, today. Uh, this part, to me, was a revelation in terms of peacemaking. A peacemaker, well, go ahead, just just give us a, a, a description of a peacemaker versus a peacekeeper in relation to the rungs of the ladder that we're about to talk about.
2: Well, Rick, a peacemaker will boldly and passionately climb this ladder, while a peacekeeper will truly appreciate it, want it, refer to it, and cherish it but not
1: really, climate. Okay. Now, here's the thing. We are going to review the Beatitudes very quickly in this segment, and we're going to look at them as rungs in a ladder. And the premise is that once we get to the seventh rung of the ladder, that's where Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. We're saying that that is essentially the highest rung of the development ladder, and each rung before is a step toward becoming a peacemaker. Why is the peacemaker the ultimate? Because we've already established that Jesus himself was the ultimate peacemaker. And in the Beatitudes, he's telling us, here's how to be like me. That's what I think he's really telling us. So let's start with Matthew 5, verses 3 to 12. Let's start with verse 3, and we're going to go through these Beatitudes one at a time and build the case toward how to become like Jesus and how to become a peacemaker.
2: Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.
1: Okay. The first rung of of successful peacemaking is what? Humility, Rick. It's simple. Poor in spirit means the poor in self-spirit, those who are not full of themselves. So arrogance has no place here. You've got to have a basic humility to be able to get started to walk through and work through this, this, this process of becoming like Jesus. And you know, you can see how Jesus, the humility of Jesus is staggering when you think about who he was and where oh, he came for sure.
2: from. Amen to that, Rick.
1: You know, and, you know, and it says, the scripture says that he emptied himself and became a man and, 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 and took on the form of a servant so that he could accomplish the will of God. There could be no greater humility. That's the basis for starting. That's the first rung. Verse four. Blessed are
2: those who mourn, for they shall be comforted.
1: So, the second rung of successful peacemaking is the willingness and ability to feel hurt. I Having would, a heart, Rick. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, the idea of mourning and, and being comforted, the, the point is that you feel. The point is that you hurt because there are things that hurt in this world because that's the the result of sin, so it's having that heart and being able to feel it. that's the built on humility. It's not enough to just be humble, but you have to have a heart and be able and willing to feel. And you know when I think of Jesus in those terms, I think of him at the at the grave of Lazarus he came.
2: oh yes, he was he was moved. He, he he
1: cried. He did. He did. He cried because of the sadness of the whole experience of sin and death. Now, he raised him afterwards, but he stopped to mourn and feel the sadness with Lazarus's family first. So that's the second rung, bringing us to peacemaking. The third rung, verse 5 of Matthew 5. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. So... The third rung of successful peacemaking is commanding a gentle, meek spirit in daily experiences. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Jonathan, when you think of being gentle, what do you think of? Something I need to work on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Because I'm a, a brute and I'm, a, uh, you know, athletic, <laughs> and I kind of <laughs> bounce in there and stomp and like. <laughs> I have, I have to work on this. I don't know. I never saw of you as a brute, I'm telling oh, you. I, <laughs> I attack my job. I go after it.
1: <laughs> but you know, when you think about it, and, and one of the things that comes to my mind is, is John the Baptist saying, behold the Lamb of God who takes oh, away yeah. the sin of the world. The gentleness of Jesus. That's what we think of. So there's humility. There's the ability to feel and to hurt, and the gentleness. Those are the first three rungs. The fourth rung is verse 6 of Matthew 5. Blessed
2: are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be
1: satisfied. So the fourth rung of successful peacemaking is an insatiable appetite for godliness and righteousness. And and, and you think about that, you've got that gentleness, but you also have that insatiable appetite. So gentleness doesn't mean that you're George Dormat, okay? It, it, it shows passion
2: here. It shows zeal right, right, here.
1: right. Right. So you, and again, Jesus is saying, I, I really think that the Beatitudes are Jesus is saying, learn how to be like me. You are walking in my footsteps. These are what my footsteps look like. These are the things that I have worked on and I have developed. You know, the scripture says Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered, the things that he experienced, these are the things that he put in place for us to follow him by. So hungering and thirsting for righteousness, that insatiable appetite for godliness and righteousness, that is a key factor in being able to be a peacemaker. So you have to be humble. You have to be willing to feel and able to feel. You have to be gentle. You have to have that, that desire for righteousness so that you can do the right thing. We get to the fifth rung of this latter and this is Matthew five verse seven.
2: Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy.
1: So the fifth rung of successful peacemaking is a character that knows and embraces mercy. And you can see the mercy of Jesus just everywhere in everything that he did. Even when he yelled at the Pharisees, that was merciful. I mean he just it, it's he just true. <laughs> Everything about him was merciful. The sixth rung, verse 8 of Matthew 5. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So the sixth rung of successful peacemaking is godly intentions behind all of one's actions. And Jonathan, we're talking about how to become a peacemaker because Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker, and the next rung is peacemaking, and so now this rung, the sixth one, is pure in heart. And having your your heart and your mind totally focused on the most important thing bar none. So so far we have humility, we have the ability to feel, we have gentleness, we have um, uh, the insatiable appetite for godliness and righteousness. We've got m- merciful, you, you know, re- having that sense of being merciful, and then we have the godly intentions and and. Uh, Attitudes of a pure heart that wants to do the will of God. You know, I love thy will, O God. You know, your will is written in my heart. That kind of thing. And now we come to the seventh rung, being a peacemaker. Verse 9 of Matthew 5.
2: Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God.
1: This is where you get to the top. And you say, well, wait, wait, aren't there three more? Yeah, there are, but, but, but hear, hear, hear us out on this, okay? This seventh rung, now you're being a peacemaker. This is what Jesus was. With all of the previous steps of development, we can now see clearly, think righteously, and act appropriately. Because you put all those other things in place first. This is an, an uncommon place to be. Most of us, Jonathan, don't go this route. Don't climb right. this high. Yep. You know, we we, we like to think about it. We like to examine it. Uh, We might hang around on different rugs for a while, uh, rungs for a while. You know, sometimes we try them out, but do we live there? See, that's what Jesus did. Uh, Being at this level, peacemaker, enables us to view what Jesus came to do as well as the privilege of stepping up to the next rung. Now, here's the difference. The first seven rungs are things that we are working on and things that we're developing and things that we're becoming, and the the ultimate there is becoming a peacemaker. The eighth rung is not what we're becoming, but a result of what we have become. What is it? Blessed
2: are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.
1: So the eighth rung of successful peacemaking is suffering harshness because you actually stood up for something and pointed something higher that most never even consider.
2: Wow. <laughs> that, that
1: is amazing. Being bold enough to be a peacemaker. And during Jesus' ministry, he experienced being persecuted for the sake of righteousness, didn't he? He
2: did indeed, absolutely. You know,
1: you know, he was always being questioned, and why are you doing this, and why are you doing that, and how come you didn't do it this way, and how come you hang out with those people, and what's wrong, what's wrong with you with this? And that was persecution for the sake of righteousness. So the result of being a peacemaker, folks, like it or not, is you're going to suffer for it. Okay, great, sign me up for that. But that's part <laughs> of the process. That's what it means to be like jesus but it goes further more than just suffering for righteousness jesus is now saying if you want to be like me you want to be a peacemaker here's the next thing you're going to have to experience the next the ninth rung is what
2: blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of
1: me okay falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of Jesus. That's different than suffering just for the sake of righteousness. When you suffer for the sake of righteousness, people can question you and and, and challenge you. But now there's evil. There's there's false accusations because you're a follower of Jesus. This ninth rung of successful peacemaking is being persecuted now with evil intentions. And this is what brought Jesus to his death. And yet he joyfully accepted that fate for the sake of bringing peace to the world. We're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to be peacemakers. What makes us think that being a peacemaker isn't going to have a cost? Jesus is telling us in the Beatitudes, develop to this point, and here's what the cost will be. But you know how he frames the cost? Blessed. You know, it's like, It's awesome, (laughs) you know, because you're on God's side. And that's such a powerful tool here. And now there's one more rung. The 10th rung of this is what? Verse 12 of Matthew 5.
2: Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you.
1: So the 10th rung of successful peacemaking for true Christians is the ultimate reward, being with Jesus. I mean... What is better than that? But Jonathan, I think the the point of this is you go through those first seven steps, and it's a development process. And steps eight, nine, and ten are here is what happens to you if you get to that point. And what we need to look forward to is all of those difficulties in those in those trials. As a peacemaker, you are blessed. And
2: Rick, number uh, verse nine: Blessed are the peacemakers. Hearing these words, for they shall be called sons of God. Yeah. Having the name, a son of God, like Jesus did. Yeah. D- do, you re- do we hear that? <laughs> do you see that privilege laid out before you if you achieve that
1: standard? And that's why I think that standard, I'm glad you brought that up uh, in, in that verse, blessed are the peacemakers, that's the epitome. Because that's that's what Jesus was. And if you want to be a son of God, just like Jesus, this is what you have to do. This is what you have to to, to go through. So again, you know, we did a, a peacemaker's promise before, and that basically said, you know, we've got to recognize our reconciliation. What's our second peacemaker's promise here and now?
2: I will continually focus on the maturing of my own character in the best daily picture of Jesus. I can imitate in order to be able to reach out to others and make
1: peace. So our promise, if we want to be like Jesus and be a peacemaker, not just a peacekeeper like Jesus, we have to promise to continually focus on walking up this ladder and developing these things so we can absorb the difficulties because you can't absorb the difficulties without the character. And you can't get the character unless you you decide that this is something that we really want to to work our way into. So, So Jesus is telling us that if we want to be like him, we need to be peacemakers.
2: That's a tall order. So let's be precise. How can you tell if you are a true peacemaker or if you're just a peacekeeper with high hopes?
0: We're constantly looking to our listeners for your feedback on our weekly episode discussions. Let us know if you'd like to hear more topics like this one or new topical suggestions. Keep your comments coming at ChristianQuestions.com and our Facebook page. We're also talking about topics in Reddit, and you should check us out helping answer questions on Quora. That's Q-U-O-R-A.com. We're engaging in Convo everywhere. Thanks for listening, and get ready for us to take a deeper dive right now.
1: Now we get down to the uncomfortable part of the conversation. Most of us are certainly peace lovers, and that more often than not drives us toward keeping peace and not making it. Why? As we shall see, being a peacemaker is a much harder task. It's just easier to crisis manage than it is to proactively lead and Jonathan you know again as we were talking before the the podcast we were talking about that in our own lives and and you know the 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 challenge of becoming a true peacemaker versus a peacekeeper and you know
2: yeah i've seen it in my life rick um i've seen being a peacekeeper many times and i try to figure out well well why and i was thinking well cowardice fear how about laziness how about lack of caring how about not worth your time. I mean, I have looked back and said, wow, how pitiful.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> so so now just let me ask you just in terms of, of, of your own assessment of the because that's that's a pretty hard assessment of yourself. I mean, are you sitting here saying, oh, man, I really messed up. I'm all discouraged. And, you know, I, there's no way out now or what? Oh, no. Now I have
2: something to, to reach for something, a higher standard, be mature, you know, be a true follower of Jesus, be like him, and so now i 'm motivated to
1: change from where I was to where I want to be so what what you 're saying and, and this is such a powerful, powerful personal lesson for every one of us is sometimes we 're not even realizing exactly what it is that we 're not doing until we can see it through different eyes, and then we say, "Oh wow, I got to change, I got to do something different." And, and you, you know, the old, and, and you know, I'm dating myself with this, but, you know, the old the old commercials, you know, uh, with the basketball shoes and all, you know, you want to be like Mike, you, oh, know, yeah. <laughs> you know, Michael Jordan and all that, you know, and be like Mike, you know, that was the phrase for years and years and years and years and years. Well, you know, we want to be like Jesus. That's what we want to be like. And Jesus was the peacemaker. And he told us that to be like him we need to get to that kind of level. And he told us it was going to be hard, and he told us there were going to be consequences, but he also told us it would be blessed to be there. So let's go back to uh, Akila Sherrills in his experiences uh, about how a family tragedy uh, inspired a peacemaker in Newark, New Jersey, and just hear the next little part of his story.
5: When I come out here with this NCST jacket and I engage with my community, I see people that's responding, you know, we talking to them and a lot of people talking back to us. They own this work. It's their neighborhood. It's their community. They own it. Now, we're not police. We're not trying to we don't share intelligence with law enforcement like, oh, who this, that and the third, because you can get killed out here in the streets. So Our role is to try to reduce
4: um, the incidents of violence through mediating, you know, these personal disputes. Aquila understands the way street conflicts can explode into violence. In his teenage years, he was a gang member in South Central Los Angeles.
5: But I've always worked with, with survivors of gun violence because I grew up uh, in the Jordan Down Housing Projects uh, in Watts, a very violent community. In 1988, you know, one of my, my brothers was shot, and I had this transformative experience in college and uh, really became awakened to a lot of the violence that I saw happening in the neighborhood.
1: So what better man to go out and, and, and teach other people to make peace than one who was making war and realize that it was no good?
2: So he knew the mindset. Yes. And that's what made the difference.
1: Right. He, and not only did he know the mindset, but his work is not in association with the police. And that's why these people trust him. Because he's not going and telling the police the things that are happening. The, the agreement is, I'm going to go and see if I can get these people to work out their own differences instead of killing each other. And the police are saying, good, go do what you have to do. Just, you know, see if you can help them understand one another. And so the police are hands off and they've put their trust into this man who has this sense because he was there. He was like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was an anti-Christian individual. And he became one of the great leaders of all of Christianity. Same thing here in a very different kind of an environment. So, powerful point. And, and, and in that soundbite, it was really about owning the problem. A peacemaker wants everybody to own their own part of the problem. We're going to develop that a little bit more as we go on. So, Jonathan, the question of peacekeeping or peacemaking, what's it a matter of?
2: Well, Rick, it's a matter of pacifying. Versus problem solving.
1: Okay. You know, when you give a baby a pacifier, everything is quiet. All right? Everything is good. That's right. Now, look, for a baby, that's a good thing. Sure it is. But we should not be giving out adult pacifiers. (laughs) That's just peacekeeping, and it doesn't solve anything. It just doesn't. So in this segment... So we're supposed
2: to man up? Is that it? Yes,
1: we are. We're supposed to man up, we're supposed to woman up, and we're supposed to say, okay, there's a bigger issue than just keeping things quiet and keeping things calm. There's a bigger issue of solving and not pacifying, okay? In this segment, we're going to talk about peacemaking amongst Christians. Because you know what? Uh, We... we (laughs) Just look at our Facebook page if you want to see a need for peacemaking. You know, for sure. a lot of opinions out there uh, and a lot of folks Christians that are that are upset with our with our last few podcasts on the, the the hellfire series that we've been doing. And you know, our desire with all of that is to engage in conversation, not yelling and screaming and and trying to talk one another down. But let's talk about it on a scriptural basis. That's really really where we want to get to. And that's how the peace Making process can actually work so peace keeping uh, peacemaking amongst christians even the best of us can fall into pacifying others and when you say the best of us you think of somebody like oh i don't know the apostle peter let's take a look at galatians chapter 2 verses 11 to 13
2: but when peter came to antioch i opposed him to his face because he stood condemned for prior to coming of certain men from james he used to eat with the gentiles but when they came he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof fearing the party of the circumcision
1: so this is a dramatic lesson in peace making versus peace keeping peter was he was the apostle that opened the door for the gentiles right he was indeed <laughs> and so here when certain jewish christians arrived in antioch he hypocritically stopped associating with the Gentile Christians and went and associated with the Jewish Christians. He had an opportunity to make serious progress on solving a problem because there was resentment between the two sides, but instead he just pacified those of Jewish heritage. Verse 13.
2: The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy.
1: So Peter's massive influence carried others away down a path of hypocrisy, and he was peacekeeping with the Jewish Christians. So, so what's he saying? What's the underlying message? Well, the Jewish Christians are better Christians, is that it? I mean, because that's the way it comes across, and everybody wants to be this on the side of the better Christians, so they followed him because he's the Apostle Peter. Incredible influence.
2: Well, that's the sad point, Rick. Yes. What's our influence doing to those around us?
1: Right, right, right. So, Peter, so, so Jonathan, Peter is caught up in pacifying those who intimidated him. How can we avoid the same trap?
2: Well, Rick, for one, we need to take emotion out of it Ooh. and desire what is right and honest. Ask yourself, what would Jesus do? We need to be mature to be able to stand up and Find what is right in the sight of God instead of
1: avoiding the issues. So the first thing you said, take emotion out of it. That is a tall order. That's a hard task. It's not easy. You're right. But it has to be. Yeah. And again, go back to the Beatitudes and go back to being humble and being able to feel and to being kind and gentle and and, and meek and all of those things. And, And that helps to take the emotion out because it puts the most important thing in front of our hearts and our minds. So now, we've got this, take the emotion out. So for us to be peacemakers, that's one of the cardinal rules that we have to follow. Take the emotion out. The Apostle Paul was pretty good about that. And so in verse 14, we can see him taking the emotion out and going out and dealing with this problem.
2: But what I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, in the presence of all, if you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to
1: live like Jews? So he's saying, you're hypocritical, I'm going to say it to your face, and I'm going to say it just right here in front of everybody, because you need to hear this, this is the truth of the matter. So so now we've, we're going to get to peacekeeping Peace, I'm sorry, peacemaking principles. We, we talked about peacemaking promises, a couple of those. Now from here on out for the rest of the podcast, it's peacemaking principles. What's the first one?
2: Always act and lead based upon the truth of the gospel and all of its liberty, and you will be naturally set up to
1: be a peacemaker. Le act and lead based on the truth of the gospel. Not just how I feel about the gospel, not what I'm what I'm feeling should be said about the gospel, but the truth of the gospel. That's what the apostle Peter did, uh, apostle Paul did here to, to correct Peter. Very bold maneuver that was an actual peacemaking thing to do. Uh, Let's go back to the difference between peacekeepers and peacemakers uh, from hpumc.org. And just look at, he he talks about in this segment, uh, in this soundbite, a little bit about what it requires to be an actual peacemaker.
3: Blessed are the peacemakers, those of us, those of you, then and now that are willing to move forward and make the Peace. And making peace often requires awkwardness. Often requires discomfort. Often requires tough conversations. Often requires you writing a big check. Often requires things you might not want to do. But blessed are the peacemakers. And you know what the arch enemy of peacemaking is? Pride. That's it. The only thing that prevents us from peacemaking is our pride. Well, Paul, I would apologize, but they're going to have to apologize first.
1: <laughs> there you go. So, so he talked about awkward, difficult, discomfort, tough conversations. Peacemaking is not an easy thing. No, it's not. And, you know, we've got to learn to step up through the Beatitudes to get to the point where we can do that. Pe- the Apostle Paul called Peter out in the presence of all. And you think, well, how does that keep the peace? Because it was living the truth. That's how it kept the peace. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses six, 13 to 16. Uh, well, let's do 13 and 14 to start.
2: But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall.
1: So here, we, we touched on this scripture earlier, and we just, we're just coming back to it now. Jesus himself broke down the ages-long barrier between peoples, between the Jews who were God's chosen people for thousands of years and the Gentiles, the pagans.
2: And he did it, Rick, through Peter's vision.
1: And see that's 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 the amazing point. He gave the apostle Peter this incredible vision of eating meat eating food that was uh, that was considered previously un- unclean as a Jew and he said what I have made clean is clean and then he sends him to go convert Cornelius to Christianity so Peter was the one to open this amazing door Peter was a peacemaker he truly was making peace with the gentiles and giving them the opportunity to be called to Christ but then he reduced himself to peacekeeper by giving in to the emotions and the intimidation of being involved with the others, and just and, and Jonathan, we can't. There are a lot of times where you have to choose: Am I going to be a peacekeeper or a, or just a peacekeeper, or am I going to be an actual peacemaker and and like you said, man up and do the things that need to be done. Verses fifteen and sixteen:
2: By abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and make reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity.
1: So here's the power of this. Not only did Jesus break down the wall of partition between, but he says he's making the two sides into one new man. That's peacemaking. When you can get two sides who are at odds to become one in everything, that's peacemaking. And the power that comes from that, Jonathan, is is you, you can't even imagine what it can accomplish. So this brings us to a another peacemaking principle. What is it?
2: Well, Rick, our only pattern for peacemaking is the instruction and example
1: of Jesus. Okay, and... That instruction and example is being shown to us in these Ephesians scriptures. It is being clearly laid out. Jesus created the bridge. He was the peacemaker. Folks, we need to be peacemakers in our lives. We need to be bridges between opposing sides, not just pacifiers of opposing sides. Big difference. Verses 19 and 20 of Ephesians chapter 2. So 19, then I'm, I'm sorry, no- 19 through 22. Go ahead.
2: Okay. In the spirit.
1: I mean, you think, look, the language here, Jonathan, I think is utterly inspiring. You also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. Together. You are becoming a dwelling together. You were at odds. Jesus has made us one. So, our peacemaking amongst the brotherhood, Jonathan, needs work, needs focus, needs attention, but it can be done. Yes. What's our our, our final peacemaking principle for this segment?
2: Well, Rick, within the body, there is no difference between members. Make peace by adhering to the core equality we all find in Christ and give God's Spirit a place to dwell.
1: So, you know, it's interesting because God's Spirit not only is supposed to dwell in us individually, but it's supposed to dwell in us collectively. And when we are together we should be witnessing the power of God's Spirit compounded because it is with you, it is with me, it is with this brother and that sister. But if we are at odds, how can God's Spirit be compounded? We, you know, we, we, it, it can't, Rick. And so we have to make peace with ourselves within christianity you know before we can make peace with the world and for the world we got really got to work on ourselves that's kind of an important thing important thing here so within christianity peacemaking has clear guidelines what a relief true but that's not where our
2: responsibility ends what about peacemaking with people of the world should we do it and if so how
0: talk to us during our live Monday night podcast from 8 to 9:30 every week. If you're listening through our app, just hit the message button. If you're on christianquestions.com, click on chat at the bottom of your screen as our discussion continues. It is inevitable when we start to answer questions that more questions appear. Let's see how this expands.
1: The Bible really is all about coming apart from the world and building a life in the service of God. And as a result, there are few examples of actual peacemaking with the world. Now, look, that doesn't mean we should avoid peacemaking with them. On the contrary, we're taught to pursue peace with them. But again, there aren't a lot of physical examples that we can actually rely on when we look at this. So we look at the principles and we say, okay, how am I going to do this? What is it that I have to uh, adjust in my own thinking, my own character? And Jonathan, in this segment, one of the things we want to talk about is, you know, uh, one of the first questions we asked is about compromising our Christian principles. And, And here, you know, look, peacemaking never means compromising Christian principles. If it's not built on Christian principles, true Christian principles, not what I feel like, not what I'd like it to be, but true Christian principles, then it's not real, real, true spiritual peacemaking.
2: That's right. And what are what about our example to those around us? Will it affect them positively? or negatively.
1: You know, and sometimes the reaction might end up being negative, but it's a positive long-term effect that we have to be working for. That's what peacemaking is, because peacemaking, especially in, in the context of the world, we're not going to change them now. For the most part, we're not. But we can be an example and a witness to them now, so they can remember it later. So, you know, it's a powerful thing. Let, let's go back to um, the, uh, the the story of Akilah Sherrill's and how he's working with these young men in, in Newark, New Jersey. And, and these are guys who are ex-convicts. They, they've been gang members. They've, they've been involved in all sorts of things, and they are dedicated to become peacemakers. So this uh, soundbite is talking about the objective of their work. In
4: 1992, around the time of the L.A. riots, Akilah helped organize an historic gang truce between the Bloods and the Crips, two of the city's largest gangs at the time. Over the next few decades, Akila worked as a community activist against gang violence. Newark Mayor Roz Baraka hired Akila after seeing his work in gang prevention. Akila is to me a godsend, but me, me getting him is like, look, all I want you to do is come over here and train the people over here to do what you did there. Every month, Akila travels from L.A. to Newark South Ward to check in with the team. How are everybody doing? He offers them guidance and hears concerns. My charge from the mayor was
5: to come to Newark, to build our infrastructure, put systems in place, and turn this program over to
1: you. So, again, the, the beauty of this is he is not there for personal fame and fortune. He's there to be a peacemaker, and by doing so, he is teaching others whose community is at war with itself to be the peacemakers. That's powerful stuff. That is passing I, it on. Yeah, I love, I love, love that example. So, peacekeeping or peacemaking, what's my objective? Do we focus on reducing conflict or refocusing conscience? There's a huge difference between we just want the conflict, the level of conflict to go down, versus, hey, maybe sometimes our consciences need to be refocused, need to be reorganized. And when you're dealing with the world, Jonathan, Refocusing conscience is a key critical matter in peace making because the conscience that naturally exists in the world is not really that good usually, I guess I'll no, just say. No. <laughs> so for us, godly righteousness rules. This helps us rise above merely trying to reduce conflict. Proverbs sixteen, seven and eight are good examples of that. And again, in this segment it's about dealing with the people that, that are around us in terms of peacemaking. When a man's
2: ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great income and
1: injustice. I love that, 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 uh, that proverb. If, if your ways are pleasing to God, your enemies will be at peace with you because you are, you are living above the fray. And one of the secrets of peacemaking is to learn to be above the fray. And if you can do that, then you can begin to see. And like you said earlier, you got to take the emotion out. Now, remember the Apostle Paul from the first segment? You know, be the righteousness of God through Christ. That's our job, with the world even. And, and, you know, look, I'm sure, folks, when, when, when you go to work and, or, or school or just with people that you socialize with, there's a lot of things that are, are uh, unsettled. We have a great opportunity in all of those unsettled things to really, truly be peacemakers when the opportunity is right. Hebrews twelve fourteen and 15. Pursue peace with all
2: men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no bitter root spring up and cause trouble, and by it may be defiled.
1: Okay, so it says, pursue peace with all men, okay, and sanctification without which no one sees God. Pursue being set apart with all men. So in our dealing with the world, we still need to be set apart from them, but it doesn't mean we don't communicate with them. So this brings us to a really important peacemaking principle. What is it? Our peacemaking opportunities,
2: by definition, must spill over into the world around us. If we are true to our calling, we can bring out the best in others.
1: You know, and and I've got got a a, a personal example on this, um, that uh, that it was interesting the way it happened. You know, God, God puts timing to things. I was literally, I was working on, you know, my, my own personal study for, for getting ready for this particular podcast, and my sister called me, and uh, sister's a, a dedicated Christian, and she had an issue. And I was literally, literally typing, you know, peacemaking versus peacekeeping. And her issue, I won't get into details, but had to do with business environment, people of the world, and perspectives and the perspectives that her business partners were going were very different on this particular issue than hers. And so we talked about being a peacemaker versus being a peacekeeper and Jonathan her reaction was funny because it was just like yours like oh man I know I know what I I feel like doing and I know what I have to do.
2: Wow, neat.
1: Yeah. And 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 you know so the bottom line is she had to face that, and it was scary, and it was difficult because it was those two versus her one. and And, and the, the bottom line is she spoke up, she did it with grace and godliness, and the whole thing worked out. and they awesome. res- And they respected her perspective because it was so well stated in terms of, of kindness and grace. And you know, that kept the peace. Now she could have been a peacekeeper and gone along with things. And then her conscience would have been miserable. Oh. So, you know, it's a perfect example of us stepping up and stepping out. It really, really makes a difference. For us, having our own conscience spiritually reinforced enables us to represent God's principles. We have to reinforce our conscience every single day. Romans 12, 14 to 19. We'll just do 14 to 16 to start. Bless
2: those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation.
1: Now, you know, we've been, we, we've been talking about peacemaking and, and being like Jesus, okay? I want to be like Jesus. Think about, how Jesus fulfilled these verses. Bless those who persecute you. That's what he did to the Pharisees, right? Oh, yeah. Re- rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We saw him doing that you know, with Lazarus, with the healing, all of those things. He, w- he entered into the experiences. Be of the same mind toward one another. Don't be haughty. That's what He taught his disciples servanthood. He washed their feet. And, and then it says, um, do not be wise in your own estimation. When he was tempted of Satan... He didn't go toe-to-toe with satan he quoted scripture that's right he put god's word as his as his word and his desire and his direction and that put satan away from him that was peace make didn't make satan very happy but it made yeah. peace with god <laughs> so so let's go now to verses uh, 17 through 19 and when you read these verses jonathan think about jesus and all of the experiences surrounding the cross as to how he fulfilled them.
2: Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own vengeance, revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord.
1: So now, this is interesting. First of all, you see how Jesus was able to to fulfill what the apostle Paul is telling us. Okay, he had already fulfilled it because he is the peacemaker. But it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So what that's telling us is, it's not going to always work. But make sure if it's not working, it's not because you didn't put your effort in as a peace making christian following in the footsteps of jesus trying to do and live the way he he lived so yeah it's not going to always work with those in the world and the apostle realizes that and that's a big sigh of relief because peacemaking jonathan may not meet with success it may may meet with failure after failure after failure after failure doesn't mean we're not successful in god's eyes but just we're in a world of sin and, you know, we can only do what we're, we're, we're capable of doing. Never compromise your Christian principles. Otherwise, you end up being a peacekeeper, just making things quiet and easy and being compromised. That's no way to live. So what's our peacemaking principle here?
2: Our peacemaking efforts with the world around us depend entirely upon the state of our own personal conscience.
1: If our conscience is in a place of willingness to compromise on things that are not spiritually uh, um, uh, part of our direction, then we're in trouble. So the state of our conscience will dictate the state of our ability to be true peacemakers. So Jonathan, basic, fundamental, practical question. What if we're strugg- struggling? with being naturally drawn to peacekeeping like we've been talking about, and we know we need work. Does that mean we should just avoid being peacemakers? Like, oh, you know, I can't do that because I know I'm a peacekeeper by nature and, um, you know, I, I've got too much work to do, so I'm just going to leave it alone.
2: Uh, we shouldn't say, no, that's too hard, Rick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because following in Jesus' footsteps does take work. Uh, but I had a question back at you. Okay. What What if peacekeeping doesn't violate principle can in some cases we be both a peacekeeper uh besides a peacemaker
1: you know and i'm glad you brought that up because yeah it's not always one or the other Uh, you know sometimes you do have situations where you can't you can't bring two very 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 far apart sides together so you do you can keep peace by being reasonable and kind and loving to one another and there's nothing wrong with that but let's not use the excuse of oh well you know peace you know peacekeeping is good when peacemaking is available so if it's not available then sure a peacekeeping approach is great But if peacemaking is available, and that means that we have an opportunity, there's an open door, you can see the Lord leading you, saying, you know what, and we know, we know when the opportunities come, don't we?
2: Good point, good
1: point, Rick. But we can rationalize saying, yeah, well, but I don't think it's quite right. I don't think it's quite right. You know, and it's it's like, well, well, come on, come on, come on, be brave, be brave. So yeah, peace, you can be a peacekeeper and, and do well with that, but don't do it instead of. Peacemaking. Do it when peacemaking is simply not an opportunity. And I've had that very experience, Jonathan, where having to, having had to be a peacekeeper for a long time, and then after a period of time, the peacemaking opportunity opened up because ah. trust was built. So that's
2: cool. Yeah. That, that's good to know. Yeah, and, and making uh, peacemaking is wanting to make it right, and uh, I'm going to try to drill that into my brain so that I remember not to compromise uh, when an experience is
1: presented. Okay, let me add a phrase to that. Wanting to make it right without being emotional. Oh, good point. (laughs) Because if we get emotional, then we lose the direction of true peacekeeping. Peacemaking. Jesus was not emotional when he did his peacemaking. That's how he was able to sacrifice himself. He was driven. He was focused. He knew righteousness. Okay, for us, discipline with our anger emotion is critical. This gives us opportunity to refocus people's consciences because, again, when you're dealing with the world, you're going to have to do a lot of that. and A lot of times they're not going to listen, and maybe you get persecuted for it. So what? Jesus said, blessed are you if you are. So it's a win-win. Even though you feel like you're losing, you're still winning, okay? <laughs> Pro- Proverbs
2: 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger.
1: All right, there you go. Firm words spoken with grace are not Harsh words, and they too can turn away wrath. And again, I've had lots of personal experience with, uh, in in several situations, with having to be the one to speak firm words. And you try to do it with grace and with peace, and without personal in emotion and, and being personally um, uh, 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 invested in those words, but being spiritually and righteously invested in those words. And there's a difference. Ephesians four twenty five to twenty seven.
2: Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not let sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity.
1: There you go. It's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to let it linger and to let it control you. So again, this brings us to another peacemaking principle, and again, we're in relation to the people of the world around us right now.
2: Our responses to the dilemmas around us will determine whether we are merely peacekeepers or actually peacemakers. Do we try to cover over the issue or feed those around us with higher thinking to
1: actually move towards solving it? All right. Which thing are we doing? Are we trying to cover it over, patting it down, making it like, it's OK, it's OK. Shh, don't anybody say anything because it'll explode. You know, and, and, and Jonathan, I've, I've had that experience of, 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 of volatile individuals and somebody warning me ahead of time and got into a, a circumstance that, well, you know, this is a very volatile person. You need to be careful. You really don't want to deal with them on, on these things. And because I knew I had a little credibility with them, I walked up to them and I, and, I, and I opened up the door to one of those really hard things. And they looked at me and their eyes got wide and, you know, and you could see the anger building up. I said, look, let's just talk, you and I and it just fizzled down and we actually had a conversation nice <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it, it's a little scary but you know <laughs> th- it can happen be a pe- blessed are the peacemakers for they're called the sons of god jonathan the bottom line here is that peacemaking is a difficult and a valuable challenge
2: it is but what makes us makes it so difficult What is the one thing that makes us lean towards peacekeeping and not pursuing peacemaking?
0: If we asked Rick, Jonathan, and the CQ Contribution team to answer our topical questions in five minutes or less, rather than in several chapters over 90 minutes, they'd probably get a little stressed out. Plus, they love painting that bigger picture by looking at several real-world media perspectives, historical facts, and scripture. That's why some answers may come quickly, but we love taking a look at the bigger questions that aren't so easy.
1: You know, I think the biggest deterrent to becoming actual peacemakers is good old-fashioned fear. Our fear may actually have two parts. First, we're not sure what to do, and we talked about this earlier. And second, we're simply afraid to try, afraid of reactions, afraid to fail. Maybe even we're afraid to succeed. This requires answers. and Jonathan, fear is one of those things that just constantly gets in the way of a, of a well-lived Christian life. We just need to say to ourselves... You know what? I will not live in fear. And that's so hard. And it takes time. And just because you say it doesn't mean it's gonna happen. You have to go back to the Beatitudes and go through that, all of those steps to become like Jesus. So
2: Jesus Jesus had enemies all around him, and he just did what was right and said what was right all the time. What an example.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely, positively right. Um, and, and we can learn to do the same thing. Let's go back uh, one last time to um, Akila Sherrill's and his experiences, how a family tragedy inspired a peacemaker in Newark. Uh, and this is talking about the peacekeeping legacy when well, you really, you know, peacemaking is, is what we're talking about here. But what a, what a legacy that he developed in others. Let's listen.
5: Here, everybody in this room right now, because they love this type of work, it's natural. You don't need no Harvard degree to do this work. All you need is your past experience of what you've been through.
4: The challenge now is funding. We want to make it a part of the state and the county's budget to be able to have trauma-informed care interrupt the street team folks that are out there as a part of the whole law enforcement strategy. The team is hopeful the trauma-informed work they're doing will expand across Newark. For Akilah, that means using Terrell as his motivation to keep going. My son was murdered. Um, And I can blame a lot of people
5: for that, you know. Um, And at the same time, I really believe that my son gave his life for me and the work that I do. This is his legacy.
1: You know, there there is a peacemaking legacy there that is unbelievable. That is. To be able to look at the death of your own son and say, you know, It has given me further inspiration to be able to help so many others. And how blessed they will be in the resurrection, man. Just how blessed they will be. It's an amazing thing. Okay, Jonathan, peacekeeping or peacemaking, what's my objective?
2: Are we operating from a stance of fear, or are we operating from a stance of
1: focus? Okay, we already have the ingredients for the first part of our fear. You know what to do. We've already talked about what to do. So let's just talk about, let's remind ourselves again, the focus part. Mark 9, verse 50. Salt
2: is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another.
1: Okay. Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Just because you say, be at peace with one another doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> Having a developing Christ-like character will naturally, now naturally in a spiritual sense, bring out peacemaking ability. And now we're more capable of listening, understanding, and communicating. And this is a beatitude-based character, which is what we're talking about. And Jonathan, just before I get to the next question for you, I want to give a practical example. And you know, from the chat board, they're saying, well, what's a, what's a good practical example within the brotherhood of, of making peace? And you know, in my own experiences, I've had over years several experiences of the within the brotherhood specifically of those that see something one way and and interpret it, and those that see something another way, the same thing and interpret it. And those interpretations are about like that. we night and day doesn't even do it justice. And and you're the opportunity to see both sides and to be able to discuss with each side. What the other side sees. So for me, the the practical application was, okay, you've got two very diverse sides, sometimes three, sometimes more. So the first thing for me was to go to each individual and ask them, so what did you see? Okay, okay, great, I'll get back to you. What did you see? Okay, great, I'll get back to you. What did you see? Then, once I figured out what each one says, even before trying to deal with it, then you go back and say, okay, did you realize that so-and-so... When this was said or written, you know, and you know, one of the big problems is email and, and texting and all that, because, boy, oh, that can no. be misunderstood like crazy. Oh, yeah. You know, being able to say, did you realize that so-and-so, when they wrote that, actually meant this? I know because I asked them. And then there's silence. And then you go to the person who wrote it and said, do you realize that when you wrote that, they saw this? And they go, no. Oh, oh yeah, I asked them. <laughs> and then by dealing with each one individually, then you can be the bridge. But it takes the ability to or, or, or the, the discipline to just one at a time deal with the pieces and do a lot of listening and repeating and then just sharing of factual information. And, Jonathan, it's, it's really amazing the results you can get from doing things like that. So let me, let me ask you a practical question. The other examples of peacemaking in action. That was one personal from me. How about something you know from, from your perspective?
2: Well, a possible example could be if someone is gossiping about you in the church, Ooh. what is the right thing to do? Uh, do you keep quiet or do you follow Matthew 18? It says to go to the individual personally and share your concern. And if they don't hear you, you bring two or three with you to hopefully resolve the sin. And if they still don't apologize, bring it before the whole church, and hopefully they will see the error of their way and stop the action. So bring it to the surface and discuss it instead of evading the issue and allowing it to fester is always the best scenario. Then it is resolved and everything is good. If not, the issue never gets resolved, which is wrong.
1: Well, and and what you described... First of all, you used a scriptural basis for it, okay Now there that's a home run, right to begin with, okay? You got yourself a scriptural basis, but that's a hard thing to do.
2: It is hard, and that fear is always there. Should I go to that person?
1: right, right and and and, and the feeling of it is, well, you know, you know maybe I'm making too big an issue of this. Maybe you just let it be peace keeping. At what expense? See, understand, you know, the example you gave was really good because you're the one being gossiped about. So you're the one being misrepresented. So if you just peace keep, then your reputation suffers in a way that you have a responsibility to fix if you know about it. If you know somebody, you know, is, is doing that in front of you, you know, then yeah, ask them, ask them. Absolutely. So it's a tough one. It's a tough one. How do we know if we're afraid? Okay, because, you know, you're talking about fear. Are we willing to settle for temporary quiet in hopes the issue dissolves or are we focused on striving the uh, on striving uh, to work through it? Okay, you know, most hopes, actually, Jonathan, when we say, you know, well, you know, we're, we're hoping the issue dissolves. Most hopes are merely wishes that are on steroids. <laughs> That's all they are.
2: Oh, boy. <laughs> well,
1: it's true because we're hoping. No, you've got no basis for that hope. Because nothing's going to change unless you are a peacemaker and change it. So a wish on steroids is nothing more than wasted time and energy and effort. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. For which
2: cause I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us not the spirit of fearfulness, but of power and love and discipline. Be not ashamed, therefore, of the testimony of our Lord. Nor of me his prisoner, but suffer hardship with
1: the gospel according to the power of God. Okay, so the answer to fear is in these verses, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on it a little bit lightly. But but you know, there, there's great great power in these answers. We've been given godly power, love, and discipline as tools to of resetting our own focus. So it says, you know, we have not been given the spirit of fearfulness. What what is that, you know, what's the word for fear actually mean there?
2: Well, Rick, it means timidity, and by implication,
1: faithlessness. Oh, that, ouch, that one hurts. Yeah. So when we are acting in a timid way, when we should be standing for something, the word in this verse means, well, you're acting in a faithless way. Now, I don't know. Acting timidly and faithlessly don't, don't feel the same to me.
2: <laughs> no, they don't. Who wants to be faithless? <laughs> right, right, right. I'll
1: be a little timid, but I don't know about faithless, you know. But see, that that sheds light on it. And that's why we have to look at these things square in the eye and say, okay, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be a peacemaker. And there's no room for timidity there. And look, it's hard to do. It doesn't happen overnight. You got to work towards it. Work you know, the beatitudes. Work through that process. Uh, let's 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 wrap up our last soundbite. Difference between peacemakers and peace uh, peacekeepers and peacemakers. Uh, and and you know the the lesson in this last piece of the soundbite here is do what you have to do. This is this is really good to wrap up to begin a wrap up process.
3: I would make the peace, but you don't know. They're not gonna listen to me anyway. That's pride. Hey, look, if you're only responsible for 1% of the problem, own up to your 1%. That's what Jesus is saying. Own up to your 1%, and guess what? All of your excuses might be totally valid. It might really have been a long time ago. They really might not listen. They might not change. They might not appreciate your apology. You might not get what you want. Granted, 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 granted. All of your excuses might be valid. Nonetheless, Jesus says before you come and do all your religious acting ooey gooey stuff, own up to your 1% if that's all it is. And deal with that loose end.
1: There's power in those, in those words. Because he's saying, whatever it is, do your Part, but what if they don't listen? Do your part. But what if it doesn't help? Do your part. But 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 what if it if it, if it feels like it makes it worse? Do your part. Simple. It's very simple. So. In that Second Timothy verse, Jonathan, it talked about the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of discipline. So let's kind of get an understanding of what those, those things mean. The spirit of power, the word for power is what?
2: It's force, literally or figuratively, specifically miraculous power.
1: Okay, so, the, so we have been given the spirit of miraculous power, the spirit of love. What word for love is that?
2: Agape love, selfless and benevolent.
1: Okay, that selfless love. And again, a peacemaker has agape, selfless, benevolent love for those they're dealing with. And the spirit of discipline, what does that word mean?
2: Discipline and self-control.
1: All right, so these three elements suggest that when it comes to our fears, we are given power, agape love, and discipline. Okay, so great. What does all of that mean? mean i mean how do we take that and make it real well the power the spirit of power means what practically in terms of our willingness to not be afraid in relation to peace making the spiritual strength to be able to overcome them okay the to be able to overcome our fears we have been given the spiritual strength now look just because we've been given the spiritual strength doesn't mean we always use it. You're right. Just because we've been given this st- spiritual strength doesn't mean we always even remember that we have it. Be true. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like you know that one, huh? <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> well, you know, and, and it's because sometimes we get so tied up in the moment and the feeling of the moment and the pressure of the moment that 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 we we cower. And I've had that happen to me. I've had that happen to me, and I was explaining experience to you before, uh, before we got on to our podcast today. That that really was one of those that that made me shake inside, and it was a it was happening again and again and again. And I was literally crumbling inside of myself, literally. I mean, talking when you talk, your voice quivers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was me. Okay, and 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 going through that. I had completely let go of all of the good, the spirit of God's, the, the power of God's spirit rather, ready, waiting to work in my life. But me, no, I was going to try to manage this on my own. And boy, was I a mess. So it didn't work so well until I stopped with that and said, okay, you know what? There's righteousness involved here. And then you begin to rely on God's strength. So the spiritual strength to overcome our fears. Spiritual strength, not personal strength. Not I don't care what you're made of. I care how much you rely on God's spirit in you. Agape love is what? The highest reason to want to overcome them. All right, so overcoming our fears. The best reason to overcome our fears, the very best reason, is because we can then become more Christ-like and be willing and, and be wanting to give the way Jesus gave and you look, for any Christian, isn't that like the best thing ever? If if we could, in some small, tiny, little, you know, one-tenth of one percent way, give like Jesus gave, wouldn't that just thrill you to death?
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure.
1: So we want the spirit of that selfless love, because that's what Jesus is. That's what he was. That's what he did. So we've got this spiritual strength To be able to overcome our fears, we've got the highest reason to want to overcome our fears. And then it says we've been given the spirit of discipline. And what is that?
2: The self-control to apply ourselves to overcoming them.
1: So these three things put together are a recipe for dealing with our fears. When it comes to peacemaking, fear is a classic derailer of the process. We just need to decide we're going to not go down that road anymore. So with fear and better perspective, we now go to the context of our theme scripture and apply godly wisdom to our peacemaking efforts, and we're later than I thought. <laughs> so just, just let's get started with the scripture. We're going to have to wrap up.
2: Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in gentleness of wisdom.
1: Okay, so we need to show in gentleness of wisdom. You know, uh, we and and then it goes on, verse 17, Jonathan, real quickly as we wrap up.
2: But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed of whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make
1: peace. So the peacemaking principle is simple. Any peacemaking effort we embark on must always be done in accordance with God's wisdom and in accordance with the example of the author and finisher of of our faith. Jesus Christ. Folks, fear happens, so what? Let's be peacemakers. Let's be like Jesus. Let's do what he did by following the example he gave us in the Beatitudes to build our characters so we can be world and life changing in our little experiences. For Jonathan, Rick, and Christian Questions, it's about being a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. Think about it. Folks, listen, we want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us and review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. And finally, coming up next week, we'll be talking about Are Some Sins Worse Than Others? Lots happening, lots coming up. We'll look forward to talking to you next week.